I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There is so much to feel and think about with Penn State football winning 33-24 over Indiana in what was a way better game than anybody expected. Once again, we're all wrong uh, because football is about matchups and who knew that the Penn State defense was going to fall apart in the first half and forget how to cover. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Drew Aller, how do you feel about that ending? The way that game ended I think changes completely the conversation we have here in the, on the show about him and about how uh, did, did was that a step? Did he take a step in this game of a player who uncorked the deep ball? We finally saw it. He threw the ball over the middle into contested coverage, and after almost losing the game, he finally chucks it deep. <laughs> it was it was the right call. It was the right read. It was the right throw. They finally got it all together. They pass blocked correctly, and Penn State got the explosive play to win the game. But a whole lot of stuff happened before then. Oh my goodness, did a whole lot of stuff happen before then. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. This is the BWI Live postgame show. We're having uh, a conversation with you in the chat as always. So please bring your best thoughts. And if you want to get your thoughts on the channel, the best way to do that is uh, in a situation like this where I'm still collecting my thoughts and emotions after the game. Uh, is if you donate a super chat, we'll get to it absolutely. Um, I can't. I shouldn't say. I'll guarantee that I'll try to get there because, uh, as I said after the Ohio State game, if you're if you're pouring in money just to give your opinion on air and like we're going six or seven deep on something, I might not be able to get to everything. But I do appreciate everyone being here. Please like the video, subscribe, all the things that you got to do. Here we go. We'll talk about this game. Three hundred and forty-two yards. Penn State is outgained by Indiana, and they win. Um, Braden Sorsby. Let's talk about Indiana. Give them. We'll do the James Franklin thing. Give. Credit to Indiana for what they did in this game. Soresby was a problem for Penn State. You see an athletic quarterback that can keep his feet underneath him and not having Chop Robinson out there was a real difference in this game where Penn State couldn't keep contained. They couldn't keep him under wraps and he created plays with his legs in the passing game and in the run game. And then the explosive plays are obviously um, something entirely different. Zaki Wheatley giving up an explosive touchdown of 90 yards. A couple things on that play. We're going to go back and we're going to watch the film there specifically to say what what we know what happened, but why was that player then allowed to run 90 yards? You know, how how was the pursuit on that play? I'm going to be taking a look at that. Um, clear busted miscommunication on the second 69-yard touchdown, but then the RPO touchdown, the third touchdown for Soresby was very good when they when you run the ball and Indiana had enough rushing success 
the formation they had, they had a stacked formation to the field, shaded the safety over, and then Keaton Ellis does not drop back quick enough to get into the passing lane to prevent the RPO from going from a completion to a touchdown. Daquan Hardy gets hung out to dry there. It was not a good job by him of creating a contested catch situation, but Keaton Ellis is the free safety. Somebody's got to be back there to prevent that from happening. Three explosive play touchdowns against Penn State defense. Not anything anybody had on their bingo card. Penn State, what we saw from them, the plan this week was, we're going to do what we do but better, which is what I expected for the most part coming into this game. Katron Allen and Nick Singleton lead um, in what uh, in what was a rather frustrating performance that somehow once again netted 33 points. Katron Allen, four and a half yards of carry, breaking a ton of tackles. He's going to have a great grade coming out of this game. 81 yards rushing. Nick Singleton sealing the game. 15 carries, 50 yards. They were the backbone of this team. But that last-minute touchdown, that's, that's big-time play. I don't care if it's Indiana. The game pressure was on. You just threw an interception. You just gave the game to the other team. And Drew Aller comes back with the biggest play of his career to this point. Terms and conditions apply. We'll see what happens next. He didn't deliver uh, and, and elevate the offense last week. This week... He was, despite the fact that the, the the bulk, the bread and butter was Allen and Singleton, he delivered three touchdowns. One thing I think we do know about Drew Aller is in the red zone, he is money. That arm, his uh, anticipation in the red zone, his ability to see things. Uh, the, the Khalil Dinkins touchdown, I almost thought he wasn't going to see it. It took, a, it took a hot second for him to get there, uh, but he did get there. So those are kind of my opening thoughts. The defense, surprisingly bad day. I asked everyone this week, do you think that there's a letdown after all the emotion, all of the effort they poured into the game last week? It's not that they lacked effort this week. I don't think that, the, but the execution and the focus and just staying frosty for 12 games a year, you're going to have some bad games. Uh, Gregory Fischel, quick in here uh, with a donation to the channel. Appreciate it. I'm going to keep an eye out for your question, Gregory, if you've got one, because uh, I don't see it right away, and obviously you didn't give it with this one. Michael McCollin is back. In case you were wondering, they called that pass play at the end the Corey Geiger. This, is, this isn't going away ever, is it? Like, as long as Drew Aller is here, we're going to be referring to the Chuck a Deep play. Uh, yes. This is... Uh, this is... This is... I'm sorry, I was reading Jeff D's comment. This is exactly what was going to happen. I was trying to read this comment. I was kind of looking forward to a loss. Joseph Franklin would have to explain why he's the most underwhelming coach in the country. That's not going away. Jeff D, you can still... I mean, obviously, that is going to be something that he is going to say that we did a great job. We won the game. All games are hard. You're absolutely right. But all of that's not going away um, from a team that coming into this game, did not score points and was not good at stopping points. Chuck Cloud says, T. Frank, uh, <laughs> Penn State made the Indiana quarterback look like J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, I, I, the, Chuck, I want, I'm glad you brought this up. This is when we talk about uh, a new offensive coordinator, and I said on the pregame show, this is kind of like up-close magic because, oh, where's the ball? It's over here. It's over here. This is exactly why college teams play this kind of way with all of these options, RPOs, read options, which are different things. I'm going to say that every single time now so that we all understand it. But when you've got an athletic quarterback, you can extend plays, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens that puts the defense in conflict. 
this offense put the defense in conflict and without chop robinson out there in obvious passing situations they did not get pressure allowing for some of the stuff downfield that's been happening all year that we haven't seen because this defense has been playing really good together all that stuff happened and against mccarthy and the uh michigan offense expect this to be a real thing like they're going to battle with uh with michigan in a certain way that uh if, if this is their production and I don't want to say take away one of the touchdowns, which was a clear coverage bust, because that can happen at any point. But yeah, uh, explosive plays are going to happen. I would say, and not to not to put a, a rosy picture on a down performance, but this down performance from from the Penn State defense is still just 24 points. College football, that's very good. Uh, the defense did force a ton of three and outs in this game as well. And for the most part, they held the um, the Indiana offense in check on the ground. So one, two, three, four, four, three and outs in this game, a four and out. But of course, that's why you like explosive plays. A one play touchdown drive is incredibly important to keep you in a game. You take those away and Penn State wins comfortably. But they obviously they gave those up this week. So um, are you worried about that? being something that happens going forward. Johnny Dixon came back into the game as far as the, the shoulder injury. Uh, we will not hear anything about Caden Wallace, but Caden Wallace did not play, I don't believe, for the rest of the game. Drew Shelton came in and played right tackle after either the first or second drive of the game. I'm going to be reviewing that, seeing uh, on film what happened uh, this week. Great time to plug T. Frank's film room, by the way, because all of the questions and the things I want to talk about now that I'm like, well, maybe, I don't really know. We will be getting those answers, and we'll be giving them to you in T. Frank's film room over the next couple of days. So check out bluewhiteillustrated.com. Great time to sign up. Um, there's still hope, as somebody uh, in the chat, I just saw 7-in-1 Keep Believing was one of the comments before we came on live. So there is positivity out there in Penn State fandom land. KJ Johnson says, Aller finally threw a pick. I think that's weighed off his shoulders. Still not happy with his game uh, being as close as it was. Yes, there are throws and decisions that again we're going to absolutely get to on the film to show you bluewhiteillustrated.com about things and decisions that were missed and why they're important and how this could have been an easier win for Penn State but the first year quarterback Penn State isn't wrong to have concern about that the confidence vector I think that's the biggest that's the biggest difference in this season so far confidence is a hell of a drug if I came on here, and I've done that in the past, a little bit shaky, I'm not having a good show. Things snowball. Even though I know how to do this. This is the thing I this is the thing I do. Drew Aller is a quarterback. The thing he knows how to do is be a quarterback. But if you're not feeling confident and you're going, okay, I'm not confident, I'm gonna do the safest things possible, you know, I don't know his level of confidence. You know, I, I it's not this is an assumption based on the way he looks on film and the throws he's missing there is a certain amount of getting through his progressions and not letting the play fully mature maybe trying to be too smart and like okay that's not there but did you really look at it at some of the progressions so again we're going to be talking about those i have some specific things in mind there was a touchdown potentially to malik mclean before halftime that ultimately led to a, an intentional grounding on the next play so we'll be talking about that later. Nittany, 96. Does eking out a win limit the amount of panic and concern the offensive staff should feel? Nittany, 96. I don't know. That's exactly my question to start this show. Do you feel panic or is that the turning point? 
you know, I'm not going to put it to the Minnesota 2016 level where James Franklin being fired is a part of the conversation. And then suddenly Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley go off. Uh, but there's a vibe about that, right? If you lose to Indiana, you're 6-2 and two in the year that everyone expected a push for the college football playoff. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem for the next phase of Penn State football as they enter the 12-team playoff. You're very concerned that this offense is more limited than it should be. And that's uh, something that I don't know how to answer right now until we see them against Maryland. Because if that was the turning point and Drew Aller starts playing uh, with that freedom, then I think we have a different conversation. That That's what I was saying before the show is like, he needs to play like he's that dude. And on that play, yeah, I don't know if the interception weighed off his shoulders. I don't know. Uh, but it's fascinating. It is absolutely fascinating how that game played out. And then, of course, the defense can't just leave it to the offense to then win the game. Deny Dennis Sutton has to come through um, on an immediate pressure, elite-level pass rush, get a sack fumble that I think from a <laughs> I think from a game flow perspective was actually better that it was a safety and not a touchdown. Because you get the you get two points and the ball and possession is more more important. Even though fourteen points, either way you seal you seal the deal. But if you're up nine, there's there's no way they can score either way, and you get the football as long as you recover the onside kick. West, thank you very much, buddy. I'll be looking for you as well. Uh, I appreciate that you have a face that makes it easier to see uh, when I'm going through the chat. At least, oh, you killed me, Wes. That's all right. At least Maryland. Sucks. <laughs> Michael Fox says, OT Frank and your unbridled positivity. I'm just glad something different happened, Michael. I'm just glad something different happened because if it was the same old schedule of Penn State runs themselves into a close game and either wins or loses, then I don't have anything new to say here. But Drew Aller won the game for them after almost losing the game for them. I love, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, feast on, um, you know, uh, the chaos of the end of that game. It's just like, it's more interesting. My neurons are firing differently than, hey, look, they ran inside zone enough times that they won, which was what the game script was playing out. I, tr I try to keep track as best I can live what the Penn State offense is running, how they're running it, and, you know, formations, schematics, etc. cetera, uh, during the game. And it was just the base offense, guys. Everything we talked about. Drew Aller's not keeping it on the RPO or on the read option. Oh my gosh, I did it. This is why I'm like, I'm not. When people confuse the two, I, I, I do this too in terms of saying the wrong thing. Um, but yeah, not keeping it on the read option, allowing Indiana to crash on the running backs, not keeping it on the read option where they have triple option elements built into this game. Yet another thing we're going to cover this week on T Frank's Film Room is. The decision's not made, and the plays that are there that might be more efficient if Drew Aller keeps the ball at some point in these situations. Um, Theo Johnson, does he have more yards? We'll open up that can of worms and show you the video later. And and those are the, the decisions within the run game that was going to lose or win You know the same conversation we've been having. And suddenly, we have something different to talk about. Uh, Chris M., Appreciate my guy. Steven Light, he's back. As always, Manny Diaz got to be blazing through practice this week. So I, if you want to join BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, I do, and I try to, as much as I can, take screenshots and show you exactly what happens on plays, and I can tell you right away. 
Um, Manny Diaz, what he's going to be the the angriest about is not Zaki Wheatley giving up a touchdown, which is not good. It's that you've got two guys blitzing from the boundary. Somebody's got to roll coverage, and there was clear miscommunication and guys not looking at each other. KJ Winston is calling his own play and looking down the barrel. He's about to blitz, and you got Kalen King on the far side communicating with uh, with Jalen Reed, an entirely different hand signal. So Johnny Dixon blitzes because that's the base of the play of definitely we're doing this. And then it becomes what's happening behind them. And they get that wrong communication. It, there were plays where Indiana could have scored another touchdown or another touchdown where it was third down prowler package. You've got a three by one or a four by one with four or three receivers on the same side. And there were regular times that there were not Penn state defensive backs in man coverage. And, like, it's fine if you're not going to be in man coverage, if you want to play a zone with pressure. We've seen Penn State do that. But there were guys that nobody picked up in either man or zone. And it was just down to Soresby didn't see it, and uh, the play either, I don't remember exactly how these plays worked out, but they worked out however they worked out that it wasn't in another explosive play touchdown. So communication and understanding what's going on within the defensive structure was a problem today for the secondary. Uh, and that's where all of those things that you have to check when you have an athletic quarterback, I imagine that adds a layer of uh, complexity. Larry, he's back. He says, we completed a 40-yard pass. That interception, I think, changed him. He looked different on that drive. Different Aller from here on out. Larry, I would like to think so. I personally would like to think so because there is so much more he can do. And again, there's so many more interesting conversations. I've it's become a whole thing that it doesn't need to be of like, I'm not rooting for Penn State, but I am rooting to watch good football. I am rooting to watch a quarterback do something that I've never seen done before by a Penn State quarterback in a, in a Penn State jersey. You know, you can watch other teams do it, but like, this is the thing I live. So like, in a sense, I do root to watch good football and whether they win or lose is a result of the football. Um, so yeah, if he plays well, I would like to think there's a lot of things he can do that I see him get through his progressions and be disciplined and find the open receivers as long as he can bring his, uh, oh, my wife is watching, I think. Um, it's, the, it's the thing Josh Allen struggles with. His uh, level of stimulation is too high. And this is the adrenaline factor of you're not playing your game because you're up here and your, um, your stimulation in your brain is too high. You've got to, the, the best athletes can uh, maintain their composure through adrenaline. And right now, it just seems like he is not managing that, which is, that's a young player learning how to do that. So yes, in this moment, he did absolutely, in that moment, manage his adrenaline to find on a beautiful throw to Keander Lambert-Smith for a 57-yard touchdown. Where they didn't, he didn't drop his eyes. He looked at the pass. He looked it through it. It was on target. And Keandre Lambert, at the catch point, he did that beautiful thing where he just did that subtle push-off. Like, you just, the inside arm near the DB, it's not a full extension. He just popped a little bit, got the football, ran for a touchdown. Another little thing on one of the other deep passes to talk about Aller and his deep ball in this game We've heard James Franklin talk about route depth, route timing, and positioning on the football field. Malik McClain played a lot in this game because of Harrison Wallace going out, and that's a big thing going forward. That's a massive thing going forward. One of the things that you know I looked at on the play where 
uh, Aller missed him deep is where is the receiver running the route to start and where does he end the route? Because this has been a thing they've been talking about of um, and listening to them in practice and talking about where they're supposed to be width wise on the football field. These little details matter. And it seemed like McLean drifted inside and it's just by literally from one side of the numbers to the other, but that was enough where he was not in the area of the football. Aller's throwing to a point. He's expecting his receiver to run down the football field in a straight line. And when you start to look like this, you can drift left and right. And McLean, I, I hope you guys love my pantomiming here when I'm in a, in a 16 by 9 box. <laughs> that I'm trying to like keep all of this stuff in the box. You drift left and right, and you a good receiver gets to the catch point. And, and you're not seeing that consistently from these, from these guys. Now, there's a couple of other things uh, over the middle of the football field and Keandre Lambert-Smith dropping a football, you know, so it's not, it's the same frustration, but there's a lot of stuff going on over uh, w with the passing game that's super interesting to talk about. I, I was begging them to target the middle of the football field, and they did today. So evolution from the offense, check. Uh, Michael McCollin says, Drew ran the ball when the opportunity presented win. Yes, not in read option, but he did run the ball when he broke the pocket to scramble, and that is a difference maker for him as a quarterback to to just add that dimension of variance, of getting out there into the open. And I'm kind of excited to see how he runs in the future because his personality is absolutely different, but I think maybe Ben Roethlisberger is a good comparison because he's hard to tackle and i know you don't want to see your franchise quarterback your program quarterback getting hit but if that dude lowers his shoulder and maybe please make it the the left shoulder the non-throwing shoulder he's tough to tackle and i don't think he's going to extend the play the way that roethlisberger did especially early in his career but as he gets stronger and he is still very young in the weight room I want, I want to see burly, mean Drew Aller at some point, because that can be, even if he doesn't have speed, falling forward as a quarterback is a real thing. I've noticed, as long as you don't get lit up. Uh, Larry says, also, why runoff coverage in key pass situations, knowing they're throwing quick passes and afraid of the pass rush, should be press, uh, in, just in my opinion. Um, that's a great question. Larry, you always got great questions. That's something that it, it's going to have to... There was a lot of off coverage in this game, and I think part of it, Larry, is that part of the part of it is it's a zone pressure for the run game. And that was something I saw that I think they took advantage of in the second half. Manny Diaz loves to run zone pressures to try and trap the running back in the backfield and then get a tackle for a loss. If you time it right, whether in the pass game, and again, a team that runs efficient RPOs can attack all of these things because the defense doesn't know if it's a run or pass before the play, so they've got to call something that can uh, manage both. And they were able to attack in the run game a couple of times with power and with some read options and counters, attack the defense in the second half. And that's why you saw um, in the, for Indiana, they had a drive of, let me find it here, uh, a touchdown drive of 12 plays and... 80 yards and then another one of 14 plays in 56 yards. So I think they did a good job adjusting to the Penn State defense and then nickel and diming their way down the field in the run game based off of Penn State's pressures and where they were bringing it from. And that's something, again, getting into the details, we'll find out on T. Frank's film room. Awesome that we have. I just looked up. We got like triple the number of people that were here when we started the show a couple minutes ago. Want to thank everybody for being here. Um, 
please like the video. Share this with your friends. We're talking about and doing our best job to um, break down the game and how everything happened here live. Post-game analysis from T. Frank uh, on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. If you like this kind of stuff, I I'm not an emotions sort of guy in terms of like, what's the vibe of after this game, even though I'm talking about maybe Drew Aller's a different dude now. Um, but we're breaking down the plays. We're talking about it, talking to you in the chat. So if you want to join and you think your friends would like this, please share this with all of your friends. Also share the Game Time app because uh, you got to get to the game. I, I made the joke after the Ohio State game that... Uh, maybe tickets were going to be cheaper to the Michigan game at home, but Penn State's right back in it, baby. Couple of big-time touchdowns to win a game. Game time can help you get the best price on tickets. They have flash deals and last-minute sales on tickets. They also show you uh, the picture of your seat so you know what you're buying and like, hey, this is a super cheap ticket. Yeah, there's a reason for it. Uh, so you don't have to worry about buying tickets for your next big event. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets to all the sports, music, and comedy theater events near you. And that's kind of the thing for me is like, it's not just sports for me because I can't go to sporting events that like I'm here on Saturdays doing this. And then on Sundays I'm doing analysis and breaking down the film and bringing you my film room. So like I can't go to sporting events. I can go to a comedy show, uh, show on Wednesday and like finding new stuff. Game time is great for that because it breaks it down by all your different genres, categories, and of course for you, for for Penn State sports fanatics and for fans of sports in general, it'll help you find the best deal possible. So go download the Game Time app so that you get great tickets, great seats, and a great price. Game Time, uh, if you use their promo code BWI. $20 off your first purchase. Go to gametime.co or download the Game Time app. Thank you guys for uh, being a part of the show and being part of the post-game show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Gregory Fischel here says, so do two admittedly great plays at the end of the game negate an otherwise awful performance against a terrible team? I don't know, Greg. Gregory, I don't know, and I don't know if we're friends enough that I can call you Greg. Um, Gregory Fischel, I do not know. I want to say yes, because that's more fun. But it was a bad performance. Um, Penn State frustrated on their base passing concepts. And some of the same things that we talk about in this game, uh, before this game came up again, receivers not getting open is a major thing. But I think we all need we need to have the conversation about the nature of the offense. We are we are talking about an offense, and we're talking about separation that might be a little unrealistic. First off, Aller's missing some open receivers, so let's put that on the table as the first thing. There are more open receivers 
than uh, what you saw today. Secondarily, it's okay that the quarterback misses some of those plays. He's not going to be perfect, especially as a young player. Even if he's an advanced guy who uh, reads the defense well, quarterbacks have bad games, quarterbacks have bad plays. But you have 12 personnel on the field a lot. Tight ends don't create separation the same way as wide receivers. And I, again, I'm applying this uh, extra filter to Aller with NFL talents, both in his mind that need to be unlocked and physically, which we're seeing at the end of this game. He's got to be okay throwing into tighter windows. I understand. And the interception is not what we're talking about. That was a flail. We saw him finally flail under pressure, tried to throw the ball while being hit off his back foot, falling backwards. Even he doesn't have the arm to get the ball wherever that was going. And I genuinely have no idea where that was going. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the calculated risk of Tyler Warren isn't wide open, but he does have a step. Maybe it's a close call, but I'm Drew Aller. I can put the ball out in front where the defensive back can't get to it. Um, so there is a lot of that. <laughs> Robert Kaufman, four relief clovers. I don't know if you're talking about Notre Dame or if uh, you're talking about this was lucky. He says, Penn State is Iowa. He says, we are Iowa. Um, <laughs> man, there's a lot of negativity. West back with less profanity, but Iowa doesn't give up 24 points. Sometimes Iowa does give up 24 points, but yeah, I, I think that's a fair that's a fair criticism. Iowa also doesn't score nine points in the final, uh, what was that, four minutes? Two minutes with like the ultimate clutch comeback in that position. Uh, in that position, Dave Greeter says investment just wasn't good enough to cover the spread today. <laughs> yeah, um, we are chronically over inflating the Penn State offense and their abilities by our predictions. And you know, behind the curtain, I'm going to own it. I did not give the. Uh, options and the athleticism of Indiana the time of day against a defense that had been so lights out. And this was a one-dimensional team when you watched them on film. Uh, but they had, in, the, in certain games, they did put together drives. That was absolutely on film. You thought the Penn State defense would be better um, at covering those receivers in one-on-one -on -one situations. They were not today. Kalen King had a couple of good plays. So we saw Kalen King trigger downhill and intercept and, and uh, break up what was a bad pass, but was also um, an opportunity for a first down if he doesn't come through and light that receiver up. We also saw him give up some underneath coverage that was deep enough where he was supposed to trigger on that ball. And we saw him in uh, extend the play situations, not be sticky, all-American, shut-down corner. Again, we're asking a lot of the best players. We're asking for another level of good. And we haven't seen it from Abdul Carter, and we haven't really seen it from Kalen King this year. We have seen it from the defensive line. Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac have been those guys this year, but without, without the balance of Chop on the field, I don't think Adisa had as good of a day, although there's a lot of carnage that goes on that I just haven't looked at yet. So he might have had a great day on the ground, which I think is a, a balance to the pass rush, even if it isn't, um, you know, you want to take a, a player's full game into consideration when you say they had a good or bad game. And some of those hidden plays, 
um, you want to give them credit for. Hidden play guy. Big important point here. Zane Duran is turning the corner into that dude. He blew up two runs specifically that actually went for positive yardage, but he destroyed at the point of attack. And if there was a better rally and more guys were defeating their blocks, it should have been a loss of two or three yards. But that size, power, and uh, leverage, he is starting to make plays that are difference-making, not just being in your gap, but dominating your gap. Um, trying to get to everybody here. Okay, this is a jumping-off point. Uh, Chris Gorky wants to be right about Hunter Norzad. Here's the thing. If you're going to take the pass protection plays, and just like we just said about Adisa Isaac, um, you have to take the full game. And in the run game, he was getting some great blocks. There was one really great block that I point out uh, in, the, in the live game thread. There were some other really good uh, blocks that happened in the game. Penn State ran very efficiently up the middle today with very little subterfuge. It was the base offense getting them yards. That doesn't happen unless your, your center specifically is having a good game on the ground. The bad plays in pass protection are bad. He is absolutely hot and cold. Chris, you're, you're right about that. But if you want to just tout a, a one or two pass protection plays as your right, that is the same blind uh, confirming my priors. I want to be right about this nonsense that you can find anywhere. So that's not correct, but you do have a point of he is not playing at a consistently high and elite level. Pass protection last two weeks has been a problem. They need to get that addressed because, by the way, it was the same stunt. I'm pretty much the same stunt that the um, Ohio State used in their game uh, last week where Penn State gave up a bunch of those pressures and, and uh, kind of broke down the offensive passing attack. Showtime's back. I always appreciate Showtime being here. Uh, going to give you uh, your love here when I find a comment. T. Kalaja. Or collage. I don't know. Half the fun today and half the fun here is me trying to say your names all uh, live extemporaneously. Is the focus on limiting turnovers limiting the offense? And INT on third down, deep ball, maybe worth it if you risk, uh, if you're going to punt on fourth anyway. I, yes. Yes. The offense is trying to balance this year. And this is the conversation, right? This is absolutely the conversation. The strength of this team is the defense. So James Franklin... Mike Yersich and Drew Aller, the decision makers in this process, are trying to tailor an offense that is efficient, gets big plays when they're timely, but plays to the defense, ball control and limiting turnovers. The problem is they have been putting themselves in a box a little bit, literally not taking certain parts of the field. They challenged the middle of the field today. So that is a step forward. That is a big step forward. Even the plays that didn't work, the Keander Lambert-Smith down the deep over where he drops the football, that is a game-changing play that Drew Aller threw that wasn't completed. So there is a step forward from this offense of, okay, we are not going to do easy access throws, take with the defense, nibble at the edges of the field. We're going to challenge the defense to be good. They did that in this game. It just wasn't always effective. Um, and Drew Aller's mentality in those moments, he's still going to be on the safe side because they're trying to play to their defense. And this was the first time that their defense really showed a weakness, a flaw. They had a bad game, 
And I, you know, trap game, however you want to call it, let down after the Ohio State game. They played with ferocity in the run game, but they made mental mistakes. That was the biggest mental mistake game I've seen from Penn State all season long. So they're trying to play to that defense, and they're trying to evolve at the same time. And, and riding that line of trying to find that middle ground of how do we go forward is absolutely the point. And I've been calling for them to be more aggressive and confident because you don't win by being conservative. And it's not really in the nature of anybody in this program from the, from the philosophical perspective. There's another big tentpole thing here on T. Frank's opinion of stuff um, is that, you know, you may not like James Franklin, the game day coach. You may not like some of the decisions they make with timeouts, situational, etc. The philosophical guideposts of the program, explosive plays, turnover percentage. He's right. Those are absolutely the answer. Indiana was in this game because they got two or three explosive pass plays. You wipe those out, they don't have offense. You know, they strung together two drives in the second half. At that point, maybe they have 10, 6, 7, wherever it was, around what we were all expecting. The variance of explosive plays and getting those things is a game-changing thing if you're good enough. And this year, they've been struggling to be good enough at that stuff. If you are able to play consistently in the run game and do the smart things enough to accentuate with explosive passing plays, then you are a, da a dangerous, balanced offense. And the way that they started the year, with their ability to control the ball, play clock ball, you have the explosive athletes. Keandre Lambert-Smith showed it today. Nick Singleton is explosive. He showed it on his kick return. We were all betting that that would get better, and it really didn't. But the point is Mike Yersich was brought in here to get explosive plays. James Franklin wants explosive plays, and they're trying so hard to not be that team, and it's not in their nature. You can see it. When they get into a big game situation against Ohio State, they don't want to smush football. They don't want a quarterback sneak. They want to get explosive plays. Half of, the, half of the turnover on downs and third yard and short, et cetera, situations from the last week was Mike Yersich was dialing up a touchdown. He wasn't dialing up a first down. They were trying to get a touchdown in those situations. Nick Singleton, if he breaks through on that third and one, there is nobody. It's cover zero. So this team philosophically is not set up to play the style that they're playing, but they're doing their best to make that happen. And, and that dichotomy to me is interesting. And James Franklin has talked about it. You know, when I asked him, is, this, is it fair to be, if you're, you're chasing being a complete team this year, where normally you're chasing very select things and you want to be complete on the way to those things. They're not, um, they, they have the ability to get there from a talent perspective, but putting it all together has been a problem this year. And I think the obvious problems are obvious that we've all talked about of just getting the, the passing game to consistently get players open. Pete Anthon says, run blocking, meh. Uh, center and right tackle and pass pro were bad. Wide receivers not helping. Tight ends are good. Aller off, on and off, grade C. Okay, Pete, concise ready to go with his opinion of this game uh, and gives us his, his thoughts. Appreciate those. Brett says, I'm aware you not, might not be able to answer this T, Frank, but what does the ideal Mike, off, Mike Yersich offense look like? You know, 
I want to say I do know what that looks like. Um, so I don't want to say it looks like Oklahoma State because this is in the Big 12. The defenses you're facing are different. So you can't just copy-paste over what you saw 10 years ago to what he is now. But I genuinely believe what he wants to be is a uh, outside a zone offense, inside-outside zone, get a couple of plays with your quarterback running the football, not necessarily every play, but just every once in a while have that, that read option in there, and then a vertical, aggressive, explosive passing attack that takes advantage of mismatches down the football field. And if they can get the ground game going to drop safeties into the box, it's bombs away. And having that ability to challenge the football field in the run game laterally is incredibly important because that opens up RPO and read option situations on the backside of all of those runs. And that's an area where that where I don't think Drew is making incredibly... Uh, he's not making the best decision always. He's not making bad decisions, save a couple that I saw today, but the, the other options on those plays... He's leaving them on the table most of the time. But but the real point is to get the ball aggressively up the field. I think we saw a little bit, a little bit of it last year where Penn State was able to threaten the defense over the middle, on the outsides, and open up the run game for the defense of really, you can't defend laterally and from depth everything that they do with explosion. And outside zone is a big play run game, but it also allows for some negative plays. And so trying to stay on schedule is not necessarily the idea of outside zone. Um, although if you, you talk to an offensive line coach, you talk to a run game coordinator, they're like, what are you talking about? Of course you can stay on, you know, it's all about blocking and in the details. And, but it's just like, um, it, it's just, you've got to stay con <laughs> consistency versus explosiveness is just the entire conversation with this offense. And they're trying to do consistent things but still work towards explosive and it's just uh it's a little bit it's a little bit of a problem and i'm coming back to jeff d here because you know i think in in general just positivity good vibes is how i feel but jeff is not having it and i do want to have some pushback for the fans that are not happy after this game so okay it's great to know what needs to be done to win uh but you know what's really great being able to teach kids to do those things yeah, and that's where I get off the bus, Jeff. You're right. You know, from I can watch the film. I, I said this this week. I can read football. I can't write football. I can't teach football. You know, there's a, there's a big difference between the two. And I and I I always want to be clear that of I'm trying to have an intelligent conversation about what's going on on the field. That is always my point is to have an intelligent, but to be able to teach it and some of those details. I try to learn as much as I can. But the coaches, what what's not getting through? because some of these things are pretty basic. And we've seen players in the Penn State system understand and get those things. So Jahan Dotson got better, right? And became an unguardable wide receiver. So is that just him being great? He got better at Penn State to the point that he was that guy by the end of his, his career where the offense flowed through him. But he was, not a, he was not a great player with attention to detail and et cetera on all those things. So the coaches have shown, and I'm, I'm not trying to do what about. I really, like you can go what about this, what about that, and you don't really get anywhere. But it is an, it is an interesting conversation to say certain guys get it and certain guys don't. And the coach, his job is to teach so that more guys get it than don't. 
and right now it feels like more guys are not getting it with the receivers specifically than it is guys are getting it understanding their assignment and being able to execute effectively so are we having a conversation about marcus higgins again i don't know where that really leads us uh and, and i'm not an expert to know all of those things i can't really see all of those little details during the game but it is a fair thing to point out of the offense is inconsistent because the little details add up to bad plays and in certain situations hunter norzad trying to pass off a uh, attacking linebacker to sal wormley who hasn't gotten his head around yet but also uh, hunter is doing a bad job closing off and making it hard for the linebacker to get into the gap both things are true how uh is how is that taught how was that adjusted from last week and why wasn't it picked up because this is the thing that I'm always curious about, and I see Penn State's offense do this a lot. Purdue got some runs against the Ohio State defense going out of a spread and running, and running outside zone, or zone concepts in general. So do you do that the same week? Do you, like, just, uh, surely they won't think that's coming again, and then you see teams do that week to week, of, like, this worked last week, we will try it in our own way. And I have just an interesting relationship with that of watching film and saying okay what are the concepts that apply and how do you apply them because i don't think you're going to do the same thing that they just did and yet they do sometimes so uh i totally forgot where my point came from but that is something that i i, I struggle with in terms of what you see on film and how you attack it and and this offense in particular seems to take things from the week before there we go i tucked myself back into my point they seem to do that. They seem to take things from last week and go, aha, that worked. We will do that. And maybe there's a little bit of a variation, but do it until they stop it versus they obviously see that coming. I, I, I struggle with that one myself. Um, Chris M says, Keandre Lambert Smith wasn't that open to and drew through the touchdown. That was good anticipation, which hasn't been a strength of his, hopefully a step in his maturation. That's a great point. Um, it also was a ball that he put up there, right? So he didn't throw it on a rope, is what Chris is saying. Like He threw the ball to a spot, and the deep passing connection, the I throw the ball this way, I run routes at this speed, that connected, which we haven't seen a whole lot. We haven't seen that from, uh, from uh, this group in a long time. So that's really good, throwing with anticipation, throwing into the window when it's open, and throwing to a guy that wasn't necessarily open. Keandre had a step, but it wasn't huge separation, and Pete agrees with me, so I'm going to put him up here on the screen. Perfectly put, T. Frank. The little critical details are tripping Penn State up. Um, yeah, and so in this game, Drew Shelton, I noticed a couple of mental errors. I don't want to crucify him for them because I don't have the full picture yet, but there were times where he and Sal Wormley come off of the double team and both of them go to the second level that was not happening with Caden Wallace they were on their details there young guy comes in and this is another one of those you the fan have a high threshold of reality because the coaching staff also has a high threshold of their expectations this is the vicious cycle this is another one of the the, the subconscious things that we all go through with football coaches come out and they say we won the game here are all the things i'm going to hammer on that we didn't do right we're not idiots we pick up on those things they tell us what's going on so we pay attention and then when young drew shelton doesn't make the right play because he's in the game for a full game your expectations of Drew Aller, the four, uh, Drew, <laughs> Drew Shelton, the four-star offensive tackle, are 
be ready to play and be the difference maker so we can move Caden Wallace inside. And when that reality isn't met, then it's obviously the coaching staff is incompetent and can't coach these guys up, but it takes time. Football is really hard. And I know that that's not anything anybody wants to hear, but it is. Like, there's a lot of stuff to remember. So uh, when you're a young guy, and I, talk, I, asked, I asked Drew about this a couple weeks ago, and he said, if you're trying to prepare like a starter, you can try to prepare all you want and look at the film and find all the details, but there's going to be two details that you needed that you didn't find. And maturity and time on task of I've seen this enough times is absolutely a part of football. So when guys are in their third year or their fourth year and they're not getting it, that's when I go, okay, this player is who he is. And honestly, Caden Wallace is a great example of a guy that did progress and has been good this year. We'll see where he is, uh, you know, health-wise uh, this week. We'll take our look at Penn State practice when we get our uh, open view. It won't mean anything, but we'll give you all the information that we have. So football, you know, what's the level of expectation of sophomore offensive tackle who came in? And I know that he played well for a freshman last year, but the, the bar is, is now higher. And not playing perfectly, but I, I thought did a good enough job for Penn State to win. Uh, Chris back. Chris is back. He says, I love the run formation with one tight end in the backfield as a lead blocker. Hope to see more of it. I agree. Here's an interesting thing. That's a fullback. <laughs> Guys, that's a fullback. Old school Penn State fans. I'm going to say it again. Theo Johnson's playing fullback there. In the NFL, Brenton Strange plays the H-back position. H-back. Back. As a backfield player. They move around the formation and they play fullback. What that does for the offense that I thought, again, they need to get to the edge with Nick Singleton. So what do you do? When you have a fullback, you know, in the pistol, and you've got that guy shaded on that side of the line of scrimmage, it changes the gap assignments for the defense. You're adding another gap, and you're changing the variability of where the gap is going. They don't know if it's the A gap, the B gap, or the C gap, so they've got to be ready to adjust and exchange gaps. Now, all of this does the thing that I say isn't, in the end, great, which is shove more big people into a small space and then expect something good to happen for you more times than not. That is the high-level analysis of the run game. Um, <laughs> experts brought to you by Blue White Illustrated here on the YouTube post-game show. Uh, but it does cause the some some differences for the linebackers and making them think for a split second or not a split second. Now, if they're good, they can counter that and then you're in the same position, but different, right? Um, changing the blocking assignments, getting Nick Singleton out to the front side of the play, getting outside a little bit more, that made a difference in this game of, of hitting some of those runs for seven, eight yards. And by the way, the first run of the second half, I'm not trying to kill these guys, but I'm just trying to point out when you say the offensive line isn't good enough because they didn't run for 300 yards, that was a perfectly blocked run play. That is the run play that all the former offensive linemen and tight ends and everybody are going to go, look how good the offensive line was, guys, because they get blamed for when the, the running backs don't make a play. Katron Allen was in the open field with a safety. We watch our offensive, watch our highlights each week of practice. They practice that moment every single time. High knees through the bags, make a cut. The safety's right there. Stiff arm, explosive play. They 
they drill this. And Catron didn't make the guy miss. Now, he made a 1,000 guys miss today. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying, where are the explosive runs? That's the moment where the explosive run comes. You get a perfectly blocked run play, and the running back doesn't make something out of it. And that's a really important thing for the offense, where that those are the things that we were talking about, taking things off of Drew Aller's shoulders and the balance they want to play with and putting things on not the quarterback. Those are the moments. Like, that's the moment. And you have a couple of other situations. Uh, they pulled a couple of times in this game. Nick Singleton still does not want to bounce the ball outside. He wants to be the downhill bruising running back, Derrick Henry, that, you know, runs through three guys and gets a 70-yard touchdown because his legs are tree trunks. Here's the thing. He's not 250. So be a little nifty. And, you know, there's still some, I still think there's some growth from him from a vision and a maturity standpoint of what you want to be versus what, I don't want to say what you can be because I think he can still be dominant power back. But, you can be more with the skills that you have. And he just, like, from a vision perspective and from a decision-making perspective as a runner, that is a part of the conversation of he's not bouncing as many plays. Another thing we talked about on Friday on five things that we were looking for from Penn State to get uh, a, better, uh, a better result this week. They, didn't, they did not accomplish running outside all that much. That was not something they did, but they did improve on the interior, which comes back to, again, the conversation of this is an Indiana team that is bad against the run for the most part. They, they frustrated Michigan, and Michigan went and adjusted and put their explosive athletes in space, and they got a bunch of points. But early in that game, Indiana was not able to or was able to stop Michigan's run attack. So uh, it's not a derelict run defense, but it's not a good one. And Penn State, uh, 43 rushes for 132 yards. I hate how college football puts the uh, the sack yardage into the run stats because they ended with 3.1 yards per carry, but Catron Allen had a good day. Nick Singleton still 3.3, but I think clutch runs. Part of it is short yardage runs and obviously ending the game, ending the game with a 10-yard run. Um. Paul says, this is bad coaching anyway, you look at it. Um, you can see what a good coordinator like Diaz, he takes good players and puts uh, in good situations, they play great, Yersich hasn't done that, end of story. Um, I, I disagree, I disagree. I, I, do, I disagree with that as a blanket statement because there are open players I know that it's trendy right now to say Mike Yersich is a bad offensive coordinator. He's trash. Even, even Steven, even Steven, who is an even Steven sort of guy, is out on Mike Yersich. He's very happy about fullbacks. Um, there are open players, and there are plays to be made that the offense isn't executing or are missed by the quarterback. That is a fact. I'm not arguing about that. I can show it to you on the film in T. Frank's, T. Frank's film room. A great reason to sign up so that we can go through these things and address feeling, how you feel, versus what is happening. And, you know, there's things I'm wrong about right now that I'm talking to you about on this. On, on I'm trying to reduce those as much as I can. But when it comes to the offense, um, 
they're, it's not wholly inept. Are they running the same thing repeatedly? Yep. Are they running into eight-man boxes to start the game of saying, hey, this is going to be the tone of the game is we're going to run the football? Yep. Um, are there plays that are there on third down that Drew isn't seeing? Yes. Is Drew doing things under pressure that he's not coached to do, like taking intentional grounding? Yes. So it is a muddy picture. Um, but you can always go back to coaches and it's always on them, right? Like at the end of the day, the buck stops with the people making the money, the people that are coaching, the leaders. I, I get it. I get it. But blanket statements are incorrect. And I just wanted to say that it doesn't make for hot takes. This is not a hot take show. I'm sorry. That's why we're, I'm never going to be a superstar broadcaster. I just can't bring myself to be hot take, dude. Showtime says, say it again, my friend. Don't know what I said or what somebody else said, but Showtime is a regular here, super generous guy. I want to make sure I gave him a shout out on the show. Um, I'm going to go through some of the stuff that that I think we need to address. I'm going to go through some of these things. You're going to get some ums and uhs. I think the flow is going to be a little bit different here for a second, but I want to make sure that we get to everything uh, in this game that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, talked about Zane Durant, Keandre Lambert-Smith. There's an interesting situation of how, how, do you, how do you gauge his performance today? Again, kind of like Drew, clutch performance would have had a touchdown if he caught the football earlier in, in the game. So they're still working through wide receiver one's consistency. And uh, again, dude that shows he can do it. Dude that shows that if you put him in the slot, that's here's another, here's another great point. This offense was built this offseason with the idea that, that Dre would be in the slot. Um, and they needed guys on the outside. Amari Evans has not progressed. Dante Cephas has not gotten the playbook down. Malik McLean has not gotten his attention to details right and some of the drops issues that he had early in the year. Malik Mega is on the team. That's it. Those were the four players you had to uh, count on. And again, whole conversation about how do you address guys not getting it? I'm of the belief in personal responsibility and intrinsic motivation. I think you can be really good if you're motivated to be good and you have the talent. And they're pre-selected to be at Penn State that they have enough talent. Physical talent is not the problem of the receiver room. So are they intrinsically motivated? Are they doing all the little things? I, I believe they're trying, but I also believe that they're, they're not doing all the little things to get open and make touchdowns and make yay. So the receivers coach, just like the offensive coordinator, once you put them out there, it's about faith in, in what, um, in what your, what they're about to do. And Paul back again, my co-host today, Paul, it was crypto Ducat last week. T Frank, if the players aren't seeing it for three years, who does that fall on? Sometimes the player, Paul, that's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes it is the player. And that's not saying that the player is a bad person. That's saying that they aren't going to be the football player you needed them to be or that you thought when you recruited them. That is a variable that every team goes through. Um, and recruiting is a big, we can, we can have the conversation about recruiting now. That Penn State has missed at the receiver position consistently to get guys of it's just easier when they're mega fast and they're 6'2 and they uh, show early on in their career that they're a dude. Penn State hasn't recruited any of those guys. 
They have not recruited. Let me say that again. I've seen the dudes they've gone after. Those guys are at Ohio State. That's where they're going. And again, Penn State's not stupid. They know who the good football players are. Keandre has the size in, in terms of length, frame, but he's not a big physical dude. The, the catch at the goal line. Let's bring up an unfair comparison. A.J. Brown catches that, and he runs through the dude for a touchdown. Or just he's 200 pounds, and the momentum carries him in the end zone. Keandre is 185 pounds. He gets tackled and falls the wrong way. So, you know, this is a talent issue from a mental or physical perspective. And, you know, probably I'm talking out of the two sides of my mouth here, right? They are good enough to be good receivers. They are not the best players in the country. Do you need the best players in the country? Uh, no. And is there development that's being missed? Yes. So again, I don't know. I, I'm leaving you with the wishy-washy middle, <laughs> which is the right place to be, but it is wholly unsatisfying. Um, I want to get, and, and Chris Hale asks a great question. Caden Saunders, where is he at? That's what I'm talking about with uh, the receivers on this team. Caden is a good player, but you need Keandre in the slot. And uh, that's where Caden lives. He is a slot receiver. He's currently maybe the fourth best receiver on the team, but he's third at his own position. This is what I, I wrote about this the offseason. They got a logjam of slot receivers because of the way they were recruiting guys that could play Z, the outside position to the field, typically. Um, but also their secondary position, if they don't make it on the outside, could play in the slot. They've got too many of those guys on the roster from what they were recruiting. They don't have enough big-bodied guys on the outside that can play through contact and say, F you, that's my ball. So Caden Saunders is, first off, I think maybe not the elite speed athlete that we thought early in his career because part of that was projected development. He can get, like, John Dotson could get faster. He was not super fast to begin with. He got faster to the point that he was a problem. I will leave the gate open for Caden to do that because, you know, I, I want him to have that right. But at the moment, he's a good slot receiver without more dynamic potential than the guys in front of him. Liam Clifford's a little bit different. He is that physical guy in the slot. I think he's faster than people give him credit for, but he is not a dude that is uh, ripping off big runs in the middle of the field. So Caden Saunders, just it's a depth situation and a, an imbalance in the, in the room. So when you look at Penn State's group of receivers coming in this year, you know, you got Tysir Denmark, who's a slot receiver. So you can have another slot receiver. Peter Gonzalez is the most important receiver in this class right now because John Brown is another 5'11 speed guy. Peter Gonzalez is 6'2", 200 with speed. He is a big play magnet. But he's going to be a freshman who doesn't run a complete route tree. So fixing the receiver position is going to be a portal thing. But, you know, to answer your question, and we just went all of the places instead of talking about specifically Caden Saunders, it is absolutely... Um, an imbalance in the recruiting situation and in the ability position uh, of the positions because you can't just lump receiver in together. Just like I don't think you can lump in tight end together because I don't think Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren necessarily are going to be the ultimate H-back, like at the next level. There's even in that position, there's some nuances where 
you want to have enough Y tight ends who are inline blockers that are nasty and physical and get you those runs in the run game, uh, but can also catch, and then enough H-backs who can pull and move and be mobile and do multiple things and be a dangerous threat in the passing game. Penn State has done a great job of getting freaks, and they can play both, but they're not good at both the same way. Pat Fryermuth was different than Brenton Strange, who's different than Theo Johnson, and Tyler Warren is all of it and none of it at the same time. His 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 position fit makes no sense to, no sense to me because he's good at Y, he's good at H, but I just you know we'll see if he's ever the primary target in the offense if what what that does. But both of those guys play very well at both positions, but they aren't elite run blockers this is a, another tangent which makes me tell tell me maybe we're getting to the end of the show here but i appreciate everyone staying here steven says why get aller back in the game at the end seems like a hack way to reward him for persisting but also exposes him to freak injuries for nothing steven i think that's one bridge too far for me the point of putting bo perbula in was to get the run game and get the extra yards by having the extra hat in the box once they accomplish that, Drew Aller is the starting quarterback, so he goes out there as the starter. That's the, that, I mean, that's the end of that analysis. Is they needed the run threat in the in the final minutes. They trust him, meaning Bo Perbula, to do that. They don't they don't think their backup quarterback is going to fumble the ball or do something stupid because, you know, Bo is kind of one of those frosty dudes that's not going to make a lot of mistakes in crunch situations. He, I think he's wired that way to be good. The whole thing about quarterback two is good. We're, we're not hiding him because we don't think he can play. But he's not the starter. So the starter goes out there. They practice that, that the starter, starter takes the knees. So that is, um, that is the reason. And you're right. Like, Bo could have taken the knee to end the game. But reasons, you know? Like, there is, there is no... <laughs> um, there's no, there's no good reason, bad or other, other than he is the starter. I'm Thomas Rankar. This is the BWI Live Post Game Show. Go a little bit longer because everyone seems to be having a good time. We're, we're talking about recruiting. We're literally putting it all the way out there. Haven't really taken a look at the defense today. I think this is a major difference, and I do want to put this up here on screen uh, because this was obvious in the game today, is the option game and the quarterback being mobile was absolutely a difference for the Penn State defense. Three sacks. That's big. Yep, three sacks, especially the last one to end the game. You don't want to overlook that. But Penn State against Ohio State, I think they got 10 tackles for loss. They got four today. So explosive plays were there. Interception, uh, sack fumble safety, uh, two forced fumbles today, a, a big thing from Penn State's defense. They got their big plays in other ways. But give credit to the run game for Indiana. Uh, the, the running back's name uh, does uh, Josh Henderson. He fell forward the entire game. Things that should have been a tackle for a loss ended up in two or three yards. That kept Indiana on schedule. Another thing that kept them in the game. But Penn State's defense, I'm going to be looking at gap responsibility. This is going to be a big thing this week of who was not in their gap. Why was there all of that leakage in the run game? Because, again, an athletic quarterback, you put that on film for Michigan, they have an athletic quarterback that they can use as an option player, as an RPO player, as somebody who is going to present you athlete in space, which is the most dangerous thing because Penn State's got good athletes. There's some really explosive players on that Michigan offense. Um, so you need to contain those issues as much as possible, and you need to button up some of these things. Jalen Reed had a good game. The, the interception was great. The 
busted coverage, I don't know, is on him. I just don't know that, so I don't want to assign that to him because there was clearly miscommunication. So he had a, a very good game. Um, but you saw the limitation even of those guys running down the sideline and the receiver running away from everybody. So, um, you know, this is a really good, really smart defense with really good athletes, but there are still guys that can that can take it 90 on this defense if they're given the opportunity. Um, that's going to be something I'm looking at in the film room. We're actually going to look at the defense this week to see, okay, run defense, where did it go, and and how does do you correct it? Because that part can't slip. This This team needs the defense to be elite in all of the big games and then hopefully going all the way back to where we started. Drew Aller's that dude. And he turned the corner to be that dude. Three touchdowns, one interception, 21 of 30, 65% completion percentage, throwing, vomiting all the numbers at you. But we love numbers, right? Um, three touchdowns, two red zone touchdowns, Maybe not all of the hardest throws in the world, but two really great throws that resulted in points for Penn State when they absolutely needed it. Complimentary football, et cetera, et cetera. Coach speak. The end. Uh, James Franklin, speaking of coach speak, is going to uh, probably already be up at this point over on uh, the YouTube channel or on the YouTube channel if you're watching us live here. Go check out his comments, see what he had to say. We'll have all of that for you, including instant analysis and more. Once again, sign up at bluewhiteillustrated.com. I'm Thomas Rankar. You guys have been awesome. Thank you to everybody who participated in the chat. I can, I literally cannot do the show without you. I thank you. We'll be back next week. Uh, Lots to get through. Penn State entering the most important two-game stretch of the year. Because <laughs> the most important game against Ohio State, now long, no longer the most important game. Now it's on to the next one. We'll talk to you then. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.